Hello, and welcome to this episode of DYD Decide Your Destiny. Last we left off, Ephraim was faced with a choice of the heart, deciding if now is the right time to ask Runa on a date, or to leave things friends, or up in the air. Thanks to your voice, we have a decision made, and with special guest voiceover from Scotty Moore, an exciting episode in store. It is once again time to decide your destiny. Why don't we grab dinner and a show at that Moonstone Mask place the blacksmith mentioned? It sounds interesting enough to me. Oh, that sounds like fun. I wonder what performances they have going on. Let's go find out. I do hope it's worth the charge, at least. I am paying for two. That's your fault for accepting the bet. Lead the way, Rill. Ephraim and Runa made their way back to the southwestern portion of the city, taking time to gaze as the sky darkened, dusk quickly approaching. With the sun's departure, the two spotted a mass of glowing lights seemingly floating above the horizon ahead of them. As they approached, the lights revealed themselves to be hundreds of lit sconces dotting the in and outside of a floating fest hall, a line of patrons waiting just below the island of rockets sat on. As the two looked on, awed at something so large nearly unaffected by gravity, a group of griffins alighted onto a platform outside of the building, their riders strolling inside. How do you suppose we get in? As Runa turned to respond, a bright flash appeared at the front of the line of waiting patrons, as an arcane circle activated beneath a couple's feet. A similar flash was seen above on the platform. I've never used one of those before. This should be interesting. I just hope it doesn't turn my stomach as bad as some teleportation does. I'm sure it's fine. Besides, it's a restaurant. They wouldn't want you to lose your appetite before you were even inside. True. Shall we get in line? Sounds good to me. The two waited patiently as the long line of patrons inched forward, and after what seemed like an eternity, they were next in line. The group ahead disappeared in a flash as the bouncer ushered them forward. How many? Two, sir. Will you be renting a room this evening? No, sir. Just dinner. Would you like one of the staff to accompany you during your evening? Oh, um, no. I don't think that will be necessary. Runa? Runa shrugged and shook her head. That will be ten gold pieces each, then. Ephraim inhaled sharply at this. That was nearly half the funds he had on him. He slowly and somewhat dejectedly handed the man the gold who waved towards the teleportation circle. Stand still and do not bring your extremities outside of the circle. The bouncer then spoke a quick incantation under his breath and the two vanished. Ephraim's vision clearing after a momentary flash of blue light blinded him. They now stood in front of a set of open mahogany doors, the sound of chatter, music, and the clattering of plates and glasses emanating from inside. The two walked inside and were greeted by a woman dressed in a sheer black gown, her face covered by a glowing, moonstone-trimmed mask. She led them to a table swiftly, set out a menu board, and placed a mug of water in front of each of them. Good evening, and welcome to the Moonstone Mask. I will be your attendant for the evening. You may ask for Sapphire if you require anything of me. May I begin your evening with something to drink? A mug of ale works for me. How about you, Rel? I think I'll go for a cider tonight. Were there any shows planned for the evening, by the way? Of course. There will be a performance in an hour's time on the fifth floor. Once you have your meals, you are welcome to make your way there. I will return with your drinks while you two look over the menu. Thank you very much, Sapphire. With that, the masked woman seemingly glided away, leaving the two of them to pour over the menu. Everell quickly saw the reason for the upfront expense of the mask. For one, the meal was included, and two, the available courses sounded simply divine. After much deliberation, he finally decided on the dainty fish skewers with a blackberry and apple pie for dessert. Runa went with scallions and fennel, soaked in a parsley and mint chicken broth, with chocolate-covered strawberries for her meal. The two chatted about the day and other mundane things until their food arrived fairly swiftly for the busy evening. They thanked Sapphire and dug in, deciding to take their dessert with them upstairs after eating. 
Both sat back as they finished their meals, contented and satisfied, before heading upstairs to the fest hall. A wide, grand staircase led them to the upper floors, the second through fourth seemingly filled with rooms for those staying overnight, though curiously no sound seemed to come from that direction. As the two reached the top floor of the building, they found themselves at the edge of a wide oval ballroom, tables arranged in a loop along the edge of the room with a large open space in the center, a raised platform denoting the apparent stage. Everol began scouting for open seats before Runa suddenly spoke, pointing. Oh, real, look, it's Thamiel and Lady Samia. Ephraim looked to where she had pointed, and sure enough, their companion sat at a small table near the left wall of the room. Lady Samia was dressed in a forest green chiffon gown, her hair braided neatly around her horns. Thamiel sat in officer's attire, looking the part of a bodyguard, if a little stiff. They walked over to the two of them as Samia turned, spotting them. Well, look who it is. I guess great minds think alike. Grab a seat. Me and Thami were just sharing our thoughts on what the show was going to be. Ephraim glanced towards Thamiel and gave a subtle look that read, Is this alright or should we sit elsewhere? Thamiel gave a quick nod of approval and Ephraim and Runa sat down across from them. Well, I've never been here myself, but with how the stage is set, I'd say either a play or possibly a performance, like dance or magic. Oh, a magic show would be wonderful. I love illusionists and conjuration performances. What do you think, Runa? I think magic would be very interesting, or maybe the dances with the silk fabric from the ceiling. Well, I hadn't thought of that. Thami, can you see any fabric on the ceiling? I can't say that I do, Lady Samia. They may have hidden it, or the performers will bring it out on stage with them if it turns out to be that. Well, either way, I'm excited. What brings you two here anyways? Dinner, of course. But I wasn't sure you'd know about the mask. We got recommended the venue by the local blacksmith. He said it was a good meal and not to be missed. He also said it would be a good place for an intimate evening, and Ephraim turned beet red. Samia giggled at this as Thamiel chuckled softly, Ephraim turning away at the provocation. He made a very quick assumption and caught me off guard, all right? That actually happened a few times today, didn't it, Thami? Yes, I can't understand it, honestly. I'm dressed in full officer's gear and escorting my charge across the city, and they somehow assume we're together. Most people do it to get you flustered and easier to sell things to, in my experience. Maybe they just think they look cute together. Well, Thami is pretty attractive. Right, Ephraim? Samia giggled to herself as Ephraim nearly squeaked out loud, embarrassed at the sudden question. Thamiel and Runa looked his way. He certainly is objectively attractive, yes. And the officer's uniform fits him well. Ephraim attempted to avert his gaze as Samia giggled more. Thamiel smiled at this. You're not too bad yourself, Ephraim. Thank you for the compliment. D of course, any time, Thamiel. Okay, shh. It's starting. The lights above them slowly dimmed as the center stage became illuminated, casting the room in shadow elsewhere. One of the masked staff members walked on the stage, making a small loop around the circle, seemingly scanning the audience before coming to a stop center stage. Our guest for the evening is a renowned spellcaster known for their mastery of the illusionist arts. Oh, I'm so excited. Please give an ever-winter welcome to Tethryn, the illustrious. The crowd around the stage gave a loud burst of applause as the masked woman left the stage, leaving it empty as the clapping subsided, no one stepping up to take her place. Some of the patrons began to whisper amongst themselves before the light sound of a ticking clock began to resonate throughout the room. Ephraim looked around for the source of the odd sound but was unable to place the location, the ticking growing steadily louder as time went on. After approximately 60 ticks had gone by, the sound suddenly stopped. 
The final tick echoing as quiet returned within the room. Suddenly, a voice resounded from center stage. Time is, in many ways, the largest illusion our world has come to know. Sixty seconds, one minute, one-sixtieth of an hour to us, they mean everything. From the beginning of our day to the end, but to the world, they mean nothing. At this point, a light fog began to fill the stage, slowly building from a point at center stage. A shape began to form in the center of the fog, becoming more humanoid as it walked towards the edge of the cloud. An illusionist's greatest ally is people's dependency on time. The time it takes to appear on stage, for instance, can feel as quick as a flash, or an agonizing eternity, even if the amount of time remains the same. The figure moved out of the fog fully, and Ephraim was met with the face of a deep blue-skinned tiefling, their horns protruding from their forehead, curving up and inwards above their head, nearly touching at each end. When expected time is thrown for a loop, the mind cannot comprehend it, and therefore is willing to believe what they see as fact, instead of questioning how it got there. Tethryn held out his hand and traced a small sigil in the air, whispering to himself. A new form appeared in the fog behind him, this one a large, lumbering shadow, with what looked like a massive weapon in one hand. The onlookers gasped as it raised its arm, the fog shifting with its sudden motion, and swung down directly towards Tethryn, the massive cudgel breaking through the fog on the downswing. Someone screamed to look out from the crowd as the cudgel made contact, many spectators looking away quickly. The cudgel passed harmlessly through Tethryn's body, however, partially sticking through the stage's floor. Here we see a prime example. For many of you, this was a nearly catastrophic event, a spell gone awry. For others, you may have realized where this particular trick was going, but in the time it took your mind to process either of these outcomes, it was already too late. This is what my show seeks to exploit, so sit back and enjoy the highest tier of illusion you will find on the Sword Coast. The audience clapped enthusiastically at this, and with a bright flash of light, the stage cleared yet again a fixture suddenly shifting to an alcove along the eastern wall. Tethryn now hung, seemingly in midair, above the audience. He shook his head slightly before pointing towards center stage, and as Ephraim looked back, the stage had shifted to an ocean scene, waves crashing against the edges of the platform, ocean spray bursting over the crowd, and the smell of salt and brine wafting over them. Suddenly, two massive tentacles rose from the depths, curling and uncurling above the stage. One lashed out at Tethryn, who flung himself out of the way, the tentacle smashing against the wall with an audible smack. As it reared back again, Averil noticed no structural damage to the wall, even after such an impact. This time, Tethryn reached from behind his back, a massive greatsword appearing from nothing, as he launched himself at the tentacles, hacking through one as he passed, the sound of a muffled screech from below the water adding to the immersion. The second tentacle launched towards him as he dodged to the side, gouging a deep cut in its flesh. The tentacle reared back again, and as Tethryn prepared to strike, it fainted to the left before wrapping around him. The greatsword fell from his grasp and sank deep beneath the waves, as the tentacle tried to crush him. Several audience members gasped as the tentacle began to retract into the sea. Tethryn brought a hand to his lips and whistled with the last of his breath, his hand going limp soon after. Not a breath could be heard throughout the audience as the tentacle slowly drew closer to the waves. Suddenly, a shrieking cry erupted from offstage, 
As a bird of deep red, flame trailing its path, soared at the tentacle, talons bared. It sheared through the creature, severing the tentacle as it began to fall, Tethryn still in its grasp. The bird rocketed down, barely catching the restrained tiefling before it reached the water. The tentacle's grasp loosened as Tethryn took a deep breath of air, clambering up onto the creature's back. The bird shrieked in triumph as the waves below slowly faded back to the normal stage, the bird slowly landing before the tiefling hopped off, taking a bow as the bird followed suit. The audience cheered, beginning a standing ovation as Tethryn continued to bow. Thank you, thank you, everyone. As much as it pains me, however, my time here is almost up. You have all been a lovely audience. I am sure I will see all of you again soon. Some sooner than you may think. Good night. Tethryn bowed yet again as the flaming bird lifted off once more, this time flying in a rapid circle, its flames beginning to create a funnel of fire around the tiefling. Ephraim found himself mesmerized by the performance, unable to move as the colors flooded. Stop you! Samia's cry cut through the scene before him like a knife. Ephraim tried to look towards the sound before realizing the performance hadn't caused his inability to move. He fought to turn his gaze and body towards Lady Samia's voice, but to no avail. In his peripheral vision, he saw two dark-robed figures dash past him, carrying someone between them. He looked back towards center stage and felt the icy stare of the illusionist piercing him from within the tornado of fire. He tried to speak but couldn't force his lips to move, sitting helplessly as similar cries erupted from various locations in the room. Soon, multiple robed figures broke the line of the crowd, jumping onto center stage, holding people hostage. Ephraim spotted Samia among them and pushed harder to free himself, straining against the paralysis. Suddenly, his mental and physical push succeeded, and he sprinted towards the stage as the firebird reached the ceiling. Lady Samia, no! The funnel of fire burst outward, illusory embers drifting to the ground as the stage in front of him cleared again. Hope to see you soon, Aladrin. But no trace of the tiefling, the robed accomplices, or Lady Samia. Ephraim fell to his knees, defeated. Damn it! Ephraim fell farther forward, his hands hitting the stage, his face a mask of grief and anger. He slammed his fist down onto the floor, the force stinging as he fought back tears. This wasn't supposed to happen! Ephraim lifted himself up and looked around. Most of the audience had been put to sleep, it seemed, Runa and Thaumiel included. Any elven members of the audience looked to be paralyzed instead. Ephraim quickly shook Thaumiel and Runa awake. We need to get word to the guard now. Lady Samia has been kidnapped, along with what looks like several other members of the audience tonight. Runa, you go to the guard. I'll find someone who can get a message to River. This is over our heads now. Thaumiel... I know this is hard, but you need to get word to Lord Never Ember or someone similar. They use teleportation magic, and we need to see if we can trace it. Rune and Thamiel both looked stunned, but each nodded quickly and ran off. Ephraim quickly began to wake up some of the unconscious mask staff, making sure to note if any of them wore similar robes as those working with the tiefling. Do any of you have the capability to send a long-range message to someone? One of the staff, the same that had taken their order before, answered. We can only speak to others in the building, but Lady Lisette may be able to. Take me to her, please. The woman seemed wary behind her mask, but nodded and swiftly made her way down the stairs. She headed to the third floor before stopping in front of a blank wall. Please look away for a moment. Lady Lisette would have my head if I let someone see this. Everill turned his back to her, and he heard a large mechanical click shortly after. All right, follow me. As he turned back to her, he saw a large winding staircase behind what was apparently a fake wall. They rushed down the stairs for about a flight, before it ended in a dimly lit corridor, a door situated at the far end. 
Sapphire knocked twice, paused, and knocked three more times before a click was heard. She opened the door quickly and strode in, Ephraim right behind her. What is the meaning of- Lady Lisette, there's been an incident upstairs. A mass kidnapping by our act hired tonight. We were all knocked unconscious during the performance. This patron woke us up and asked to find someone who could get a message out quickly. Madame Lisette, apologies for the rushed entrance. My name is Ethereal, and I am an agent of the Harpers, here to escort one Lady Simia during her time in Neverwinter. She was kidnapped, along with several others at the performance, and I need to get word to my superior as soon as possible. Please tell me you have the means. I also have the authority of an ambassador of Silvery Moon if you need more proof. Ethereal quickly brought out his emblem as Lisette looked him over, a confused look in her eyes. All right. I need a name, description, and anything you can give me to familiarize myself with them. I can't promise it'll work because I may not know them. Their name is Misty Rebber. They are tabacs. Of course it is. Don't worry. She's an old friend. One moment. Lisette quickly muttered a phrase, a glyph forming in her open palm as an illusory script began to appear as she spoke inaudibly. The glyph suddenly folded into thirds and shot forward, dissipating in a trail of arcane energy. They waited a moment before a similar glyph reappeared before her. She closed her eyes and nodded slowly as the spell faded. She'll be here in an hour. An hour? The journey took a full week. I owe her a favor, so she'll be using a slightly faster mode of travel. I'm glad you told me it was River. Now I can actually trust you. So, you say Tethryn kidnapped multiple members of the audience, including your charge. Did anything else happen? Anything that might clue us into where he went? Well, he was accompanied by multiple robed people, so he isn't working alone. And he told me specifically that he'd hope to see me soon. I'm not sure if that was a challenge or an attempt to goad me on. He also left in a tornado of fire created by a phoenix, but that felt more like a distraction to me. With a statement like that, I feel like he must have left a clue somewhere. The phoenix is a possible clue. I'm sure the city has something like that iconography. Anything that struck you as important during the performance? This was his first night, so I hadn't seen it. Ephraim thought for a moment, retracing the last hour. It struck him. Time. He spoke about how time was an illusionist's biggest ally, and the performance started with the ticking of a clock. Now we may be onto something. Neverwinter has a total of four clock towers, only two of which still operate. He may be using one of them as a base of operations, or maybe as a step for another clue. It sounds like he's playing a game with you. A game I doubt he's prepared to lose. All right, I'll think on it more while I'm waiting for River's arrival. Thank you, Lady Lisette. This may have been hopeless without your help. This atrocity happened under my watch, so I want to help just as much as you do, if only to clear the smear from my business's record. River will likely be staying here while she's assisting you, so keep me in the loop. Of course. I'm headed back to the feast hall to take another look around. The blessings of the gods on you, Ephraim. Ephraim nodded before making his way up the stairs, Sapphire trailing behind him to join the staff and waking up the unconscious patrons. Everell found Runa upstairs, a massive group of town guard with her as they surveyed the scene. She ushered Everell over as she was talking to a guard captain. And that's the last thing you remember before passing out? Yes, sir. My partner Everell has more information. He thankfully wasn't put to sleep and witnessed the whole thing. All right. What's the story? Everell explained all that happened for the captain's report, then excused himself to look around the stage. As he glanced around, it looked to merely be a bare stage, one that could be taken apart and stashed away as need be. He continued to look around the room, but couldn't discern anything out of the ordinary. Soon after, Thaumiel arrived with a small group of individuals in robes colored similarly to the city guards. Ephraim, I spoke with one of Neverember's representatives. 
They've given us a group from the local mages guild to help investigate and possibly trace the destination of Tethryn's teleportation. Wonderful. I'm thinking the best place to check would be the stage itself. I couldn't find anything myself, but they likely have a better eye for this sort of thing. Thamiel nodded and led the group over to the stage, where they began to search the area. Ephraim returned to where Runa stood, surveying the room and looking pensive. We'll find her. And everyone else, I'm sure of it. I just don't understand why he would make such a big show of it. Do you think it's the same people as the ones accosting caravans on the way here? Possibly. I wonder if Tethryn is the ringleader in all this, and thought he'd get a big score in while he was still unknown. A lot of people know his face, so maybe he won't be difficult to track down. The city guards seem to have a few leads, and we've been given the go-ahead to assist them. I think they're going to raid his home in the morning. We may want to be there. I'll keep that in mind. I'm interested to hear what River has to say, and maybe these mages will be able to figure out where that teleport ended up. Let's hope. The longer this takes, the more danger Lady Simia is in. I don't even know what they plan to do with them. I'm hoping it's just a ransom attempt or the like. At least then we have an out. Ephraim turned his attention towards the entrance to the room as a familiar figure made their way inside. He and Runa rushed over as River caught sight of them. Thank the gods you were able to get here so soon, River. Yes, having a friend such as Lisette is certainly an advantage in times like these. She's already given me a briefing. So, what is currently in the works? Ephraim and Runa explained the current situation and efforts as River nodded. Well, that is the best we could hope for on such short notice. I think it would be best if I did some investigation on my own around the city as well. First things first, however, you two will need to speed up your training. With someone as dangerous as Tethryn is an enemy. We will work on this tonight before the investigation begins fully in the morning. But shouldn't we try to get ahead? You will be of no help to Lady Samia dead, Ephraim. I doubt he plans to do anything drastic without first leading us on a chase. Like Lisette said, this is likely a game played by a powerful man with nothing to lose. He wants us to overstep our bounds and be lured forward without proper planning. We must be prepared and ready for the threat we face. Now, we must decide what each of you will be doing in the morning before we train. I think I'll head out with the guard on the house raid. They could use some muscle and we've already been acquainted. Good. Ephraim, how about yourself? Ephraim thought for a moment. He seemed to have three choices for the morning. Either he accompanied Runa on the house raid, Thamiel with the mages to the teleportation location, or River on her own investigation. I think I'll go with... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of DYD. Big thanks again to Scotty Moore and Sierra Anderson for lending their voices. With a solid goal in mind to try and save Lady Samia, what do you think Ephraim should do? A link to the post-episode poll is in the description as always, and hope to see you next time on Decide Your Destiny.